Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from north of the border, we have Dan McGovern. Dan is an active duty RCMP, Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Did I get that correct? Yes, that's correct. Thanks, Jay. And thank you for your service, brothers. Very much appreciated. And we don't get to hear much from our brothers and sisters up north. And I'll be honest with you. I really don't have a strong concept of what our our law enforcement officers in Canada go through. I've been in a state of ignorant bliss about what happens up there. So we're going to talk about a lot of those things. Uh, how long have you been in uh, law enforcement up there? Uh, it's com- coming up on 10 years now. Okay, so you're not a rookie. Uh, you got to the point where, I break it down this way, the first five years you're, you're learning what to do, how to do your job to varying degrees. From five to 10, you become very good at what you do. From 10 to 15, you become a seasoned veteran. And from 15 to 20, people are really, really know what to do. They're really good at their job. Yeah. They're just looking to get out at that point. Oh yeah, on the downward stretch for sure. So it's um, same yeah, for you guys. I, I, I put myself right, right at that, uh, right at that middle ground now. You know, just coming into my own. I, I feel like that's, that's pretty accurate to say. Now I also have to admit that when I think of the RCMP, the very first thing that pops in my mind is the old Dudley Do Right cartoons, and <laughs> I know that's not right. I know it's not accurate what you do, but you guys aren't riding around on horses anymore, are you? Uh, no, you know, thank God, because uh, I'm not a very good rider. Um, I guess um, your listeners probably don't know a whole bunch about Canada or Canadian law enforcement, so I, I could give you a kind of a quick summary of, of the differences. Please do. As far as I know Please them. do. Um, I actually went to school in the U.S. and uh, have a lot of family down there, so I'm, I'm really familiar with uh, with the U.S. I've lived down there, and I know how it works, and that's kind of uh, given me some, some insight into the differences as well. So yeah, the Dudley Do Right character. I, I guess you could say the RCMP or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police is is well known uh, because of the old cartoons, and it's a bit of a symbol in Canada, right? And the image that comes to mind is the the Mountie with the red uniform and the horse, and that that's actually still part of it. 
we do still have the ceremonial troops that travel around and do the mounted horse drill. And uh, I've, I've got a chance to see that once, and it is quite something to see. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> but the uh, far from the dress uniform that we wear, the RCMP um, is actually the federal police force in Canada. And so all the federal drug investigations, anti-terrorism, organized crime, and even uh, the Prime Minister's security is handled by the Mounties up here in Canada. It'd kind of be like um, if the DEA and the ATF, Secret Service, and FBI were all under one roof, were all under one umbrella. It's kind of how, how it works up here. And then on top of that, the, uh, the RCMP is contracted out to the provinces. Um, so the provinces are like, are like your states. So it's contracted out to the provinces as provincial police. So it would kind of be like if the FBI or DEA were also the state police in some places. So every single RCMP officer, whether he, he or she is part of uh, federal organized crime division or part of the prime minister's security detail, every single one of those people starts their career in uniform policing on the street. And so it's kind of a, a really different uh, way that it's set up. It's a very unique police force in that in that way. And the drawbacks, I guess, could be that some really good ca- candidates that we're looking for to join, um, some ex- who might be exceptional security people like ex-military and such, or really, really intelligent and well-trained anti-terrorism types, they may not want to start out in the police academy and being a street cop. Yeah. Um, well, that's what you have to do down here too as well. Town. Yeah, and and so that would be a drawback. But then the you know the um the upside to that is that there's the incredible opportunities within the RCMP. And then you learn that valuable skill set as a street cop before you move up in the world and figure out what you want to do and where you want to specialize. That's one of the things that I I laugh at uh, openly about. People will say I want to go into police work and I'm I want to be a homicide detective uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the academy I'm like that's not how it works and, and you know the best job I had I loved working narcotics I loved a lot of things I did but the best job I had was being a patrol officer and a patrol sergeant because that's where you do all the police work and you're the first ones on the scene for everything at least down here is that, is that way up there yeah it, it, absolutely totally fair actually a little bit like about me is I've I've had that opportunity like like I said I'm coming up on ten years and I've in the RCMP you do move around a lot you get posted around a lot it's kind of like the military that way you know a posting comes up a transfer comes up and you can go from from one city one town one province to another quite quickly um, and you do have quite a bit of say as to where you want to go but uh, you move around a lot so in the in the beginning I was I was patrol or general duty as we call it. And that's where I say you keep the freshest. You, your, uh, your investigative skills, your hunches, everything's fresh. And then over, over time, I've moved into a more provincial plainclothes section that deals with the homicides and serious crimes. And yeah, I'm really good at that, but it's been a while since I've, I've had to do something on the street, you know, uh, a drug investigation on the street, right? So I'm getting kind of rusty in that area. Yeah. So I totally agree with you, Jay. I loved it, and because that's where you get the most interaction with the public as well. And I always say this: people, at least in, in America, I don't know how it is in Canada. I'll ask you that in a moment. But in America, they have this conception in their mind, uh, thanks to the media, that all encounters with the public are hostile, even when you're arresting people. And 
99% of the time, they weren't. Even when I was arresting people, it was never a, always, mm-hmm. it wasn't always a bad situation. I'll break it down this way. 95% of the people in the, the area where I worked, I never had contact with other than say, hello, how you doing? Something like that. Of the people that you got calls to service for, they were oftentimes victims of crime or they had a problem, they needed assistance with something. It could be something as, an aban- as simple as an abandoned car in, in their backyard or at the alley. And that's what we did. And then when you had to arrest people, most of them you knew on a first name basis, they knew you. And we yeah. didn't. Ha- you didn't have like fisticuffs. It was a very small percentage of the population of criminals that were violent uh, and violent towards police. Uh, was that your situation up there as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in Canada, Jay, everybody knows everyone on a first name basis, right? <laughs> well, you would think so. At least that's the way. One of the concepts I have in my mind, thanks to the media, is that of Dudley Do Right, which I explained earlier, and that everybody in Canada is hyper, hyper polite, which I don't think is always the case. If you haven't done so already, Please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for law enforcement today radio show when you get there click like and follow this is law enforcement today's show we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back finally our heroes have access to a world-class program for ptsd anxiety depression and more the help for our heroes program at transformations treatment center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse addiction co-occurring mental health disorders and ptsd Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Back to our conversation with Dan McGovern who is a active duty RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police on the Law Enforcement Day Show. I think you're the second guest we've had from Canada. The first one was retired, and that was a long time ago. I got, well, I'm glad I can uh, represent. Yeah, you're doing a great job, too, by the way. And uh, there's so much to learn. I have a funny feeling we have to have you, and, and please pass a word that I'd love to have other guests from your area on the show. Just to recap, the RCMP is basically like a national police force in Canada, for lack of better words, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. The federal one, yeah. But you also have, like, Toronto has its own police department, and Montreal and some other ones, they have their own departments as well. Yes. Yeah, so uh, typically in Canada, all the all the major cities have their own police force, and that's serviced uh, and budgeted by the city. 
And then several provinces also have their own. So Ontario has its own Ontario Provincial Police and Quebec as well. But many of the other provinces utilize us, the RCMP, as their provincial police force. When you say provincial, that's like our version of a state. Yeah, and that's pretty much exactly exactly how it is. There's there's differences between states and provinces for sure, but that's that's the best comparison I can make. Is, is it would be like your state police, uh, your local law enforcement is contracted out. Did you want to be a law enforcement officer for a long time? Was it something that was a passion of yours as a child? Um, well, I mean, as much as any any kid looks up to and likes the police and wants to uh, wants to drive drive fast in a car and carry a gun. But not not seriously until uh, until in university when I was actually volunteering and uh, working at summer camps. I was uh, working with some kids from inner city Toronto, and um, that brought about some drive where I thought I, I thought you know this is something I'm I'm good with conflict resolution and I liked uh, problem solving and dealing with people and and some of these kids had real real problems that needed uh, needed help and they needed role models and that kind of got me going towards the law enforcement route. And I actually joined the RCMP when I was only 21, uh, and it kind of fell into my lap, so to speak. I mean, the application process was quite long, but it kind of it just happened. I was uh, at a career fair and happened to get drawn to them and, and started the started the test. It was kind of like a, like a recruiting fair almost. And um, once through the application process, I, I eventually about two years after the application was uh, selected, went to the police academy for the RCMP, and that's a just uh, over six months of training. And then half about four months into that training, I didn't actually when I joined the police academy, I didn't even know where I would end up at the other end of the police academy. So about four months in, they actually tell you where you're going to be posted. And I remember when they told me uh, my posting, they said you're going to be posted to this small town, and they told me the name of it. I actually had to go and look it up afterwards on the internet. I, I didn't even know it existed. Uh, so uh, it's it's a real adventure, right? You go to a place where you've never been before, uh, where nobody knows you, and you get paired with a trainer. And my, my first experience in law enforcement was going to a place where I was paired with a trainer, and we were the only two cops on duty for, you know, 100, 100 kilometers. You know, the nearest backup may have been about an hour away. Wow. So it was it was really quite something. This, this watch, place you got uh, assigned to, yeah. excuse me, were you, was it in like the same province where you grew up or was it the other side of the country? No, it was totally other side of the country. I, I had moved there, uh, I had lived there briefly as a, as a little kid before moving out to the other side of the country. So I, I had some uh, some memories of it, but, uh, but totally new to me, really. Um, and uh, I knew places in the States better than I knew um, places in Canada at that point. So... So and it it's was, a really, it really, really big country, land-wise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's second only to Russia, but a very small population. So what's the, what's think, the overall estimated population in Canada right now? I think it's only it's only coming up on 40 million people. Wow. You know, not even, and what, California's got more than that, I think. Yeah. So, so you think of that, that population that's spread out. In this, a lot of them are congregated in the big cities, but the, the rural places are spread out. It's a very, uh, a very spread out and kind of wild country at, at times. And there's so much about your country that I don't get. And I, I'd imagine there's a lot of similarities uh, with the, the rural parts of the United States, uh, particularly when you get to North Dakota, the country up there, Montana, Wyoming, 
where I've had law enforcement officers on the show from those areas, and they talk about what you said, Dan, is that you know, backup could be an hour and a half away, and it's you by yourself. And I've had guests on who were law enforcement in Alaska, on like the, the North Shore area, they call it, where there was no backup. I mean, they were there for like two weeks, and then they go home for two weeks, and it was just them. And I come from an environment which is a city environment where it's very violent, but it was very reassuring that if I ran into trouble, I'd get in the radio, call for help, and backup would be there. They might be a half a mile away, and within minutes, there'd be 10, 15, 20 police there. You guys didn't have that luxury. No, no, for sure. I remember watching the show like Alaska State Troopers uh, on National Geographic. I remember watching that show and, and thinking, well, this is just a typical day for me. Um, it didn't seem anything special. But, um, you know, with the RCMP, I was lucky that I got to kind of experience both of that. I, I did the small town rural way out in the middle of nowhere where I learned uh, what I found was I learned how to de-escalate a situation really well. I learned to talk my way through things and when to let things slide. You know, I, I remember certain times where you're saying, well, is this really worth it? Or should I just uh, should I just say, carry on, fellas, have a good day, and I'm not really going to break up this uh, this drinking party or whatever right. else is going on here at this point because it's just not worth the, uh, the risk. And then there's other times uh, where you have to take a firm stand, and you might be the only cop for miles, but you have to be firm and you have to stand by your guns and, and, uh, and figure stuff out. And you have to be confident in your abilities. And then I, you know, after posting like that, I, I actually did get to experience afterwards going to a, a, a small city, but it was still a city police uh, environment. And I got to experience call to call to call and um, always having that backup that's coming rushing in and helping you and showing up to high priority calls with uh, four or five officers at a time was always, always reassuring. So I kind of got a little bit of both, both sides there. One of the things that really fascinates me is that I had in my mind you know being a city cop I had in my mind that the guys who worked when I say guys for those listening that means men and women uh, that's a term we use at least here in the United States that it doesn't really it's not gender specific but I always think of the guys that work in smaller rural areas in small towns like man they must have it made they must not have to do much of anything at all but I never really took into account how little resources you had, and how you had to be able to handle everything from soup to nuts. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I miss a lot of that because that feeling of, of freedom you get when you are handling things on your own and that rush you get of knowing that you're the only one and you are going to be first on scene regardless. Uh, and the bond you have with the with the backup officer or two that you have with you, you know, the bond you form, the friendships you form are just second to none. We're going to do a but, short uh, break. We are talking with Dan McGovern, who is an active duty Royal Canadian Mounted Police. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com that's letradioshow.com be sure to get yours today this is law enforcement Today's show don't go anywhere we will be right back all too often we find ourselves getting asked where can i find other great podcasts do you have any suggestions because of this we decided to create our own network of podcasts here on law enforcement today 
You can access top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and free app. Head to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you will find our network link where we will continue to add podcasts from first responders and more. Remember, that's letradioshow.com to find out more information about law enforcement today, our podcast network, and to download our free app, letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Dan McGovern. Dan is an active duty member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And no, they don't ride horseback. By the way, I my wife had me horseback riding one time. One time. And her horse, I'll be honest, it was bucking and all this other stuff. And I was on a horse that I said to her, look, I'll ride a motorcycle, but I'm not telling a 1,500-pound animal what to do. If he wants to go back to the yeah. barn, that's where we're going. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Jay. It's, it's not something I would voluntarily uh, get on. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think I have the the physical stamina to do that either. I, I watch these old westerns where they're like, yeah, let's go ride from Yankton to Deadwood, for example. And I'm like, how long is that? How many days does that take? Are you kidding me? Give me a car. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I could see that th- that that would not be something I want to do, and I. Uh, our department had a, a mounted unit, which, by the way, in the United States of America was the longest continuing operating mounted police unit in, in the United States, and it's just been defunded by city council. And they were some great police, and uh, they had some beautiful horses, and they did an awesome job. Yeah, it's it's a shame because uh, that's actually a very effective unit. Yeah, especially downtown and crowd control and a lot of things. It's a, it's a great tool, and it's also a great way of bridging the gap for lack of better words that people feel more uh, able to approach an officer they don't know when he's on a horse than when he's in a patrol car absolutely yeah and and uh, it's used you know really effectively in canada as well in a lot of the large cities uh, in the parks for patrols it's actually just more environmentally friendly as well and people like that as well so it's, it's the real shame that people uh, push that out first you know so you guys you, you did six months at the academy. You got stationed somewhere. What was the name of the town you got stationed to first? Well, I won't go into specifics okay. of the towns, but yeah. it was a, rural, a little small rural town uh, near the Rockies in Alberta. Okay. All right. Uh, it, it's probably something that... Look, I, I remember watching the Bob Newhart show. Do you ever see that when they're in Vermont, that area? And I thought, that's where I want to go because nothing bad ever happens there. And that's what my impression is of small towns but I know that's not the case. Yeah. Um, definitely not. No, and you guys not. live in, in a country that has, a like us, uh, a very uh, gun culture hunting community. Is that a correct Absolutely. assessment? You know, and at this, uh, especially this part of the country where I work, um, in the rural um, Alberta, uh, near the Rockies, uh, you know, I'm a gun owner. There's tons of, tons of gun owners. Most of our communities are uh, lawful gun owners and uh, hunters and gun enthusiasts, outdoorsmen. So uh, the gun culture up here is, you know, it's very, there's a lot of avid users, and it's, um, but there's a lot of different rules up here as well uh, compared to the U.S., but uh, gun, gun control certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't solve every issue, that's for sure. That's exactly what I was going to get at. I, I came from a family, we didn't have guns. I, didn't, I never held a gun until I was in a police academy and started training. Fishing was our thing. And we had so many gun rules and laws uh, in Maryland 
that and it, none of it did anything to prevent gun crime. And I, I almost hate using that term because it's a term the media uses all the time, gun violence. Mm-hmm. Look, exactly. it's violence, and violence by anybody is unacceptable. That's the way we should be looking at it, uh, at least here in the United States. Is that the stance you take towards violence in Canada? Yeah, I mean, uh, up here we're very focused on our, on our quote, gun violence as well, you know, and we, we take the stance, we have a, a lot of violence that's around, uh, that's not focused around guns or not, uh, or guns aren't used, firearms aren't used. But, I mean, recently we had the, the, uh, the worst shooting. We actually lost one of our own uh, in that shooting, the worst mass shooting in Canadian history just uh, two months ago. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the perpetrator who was shot and killed by, by the Mounties out that way was, uh, was armed with numerous illegal firearms, uh, illegally obtained. So uh, just kind of yet another example of how gun control doesn't doesn't solve and doesn't fix everything uh you know some gun control is probably needed uh there's probably a valid argument somewhere in there but uh there's certainly no no side that's a catch-all have you been in your career in a position where you've had to for lack of better words be involved in a gunfight uh you know i i'm really glad i have not uh, so to speak been involved in a gunfight it's not something i'd ever wish on anybody i know i know you were saying jay um it's there's a lot of your your guys down there and your girls down there that um that have and there's lots of friends of mine who have as well uh been in that fight i've been in um several shooting uh situations but i've never actually had to uh i've never actually had to take fire or uh or use my firearm on somebody thank Um, goodness lucky, lucky that way i've been involved in plenty though where i've been there at the time uh where things go down you know as, as it works so it's definitely uh it's always in the forefront you know uh there was other thing too we, we had these training films we'd watch especially in the police academy and then uh, our yearly in service and one of the, the big quotes you'd hear from a lot of police and most most police i ever talked to or know or have met have never fired their weapon in the line of duty the vast majority have not but they would say that and i'd be like i I wish i was there because it was the exact opposite for me and for me again i want to backtrack for people listening violence is violence and it didn't matter if it was directed at me with a gun or with a knife or with a bat it it changed me physically in some degrees and also mentally to a large degree. I'm never going to be the guy I was when I was 18 or 19 ever again. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying well, I don't think you have to shoot somebody to, to, to be scarred and changed. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you, and you know, you don't even, uh, you don't even need to, uh, you know, that's unfortunate that you had to be involved in those scenarios where you had to shoot somebody. But um, even, even without being, in, being the one who has to uh, pull the trigger and end the threat, to be exposed to the amount of violence that uh, law enforcement officers are exposed to, that we are all exposed to, even in Canada, uh, it changes you. You know, I say, like, I've only been in here for uh, coming up on 10 years, and I grew up really fast uh, in law enforcement because of the violence that you're exposed to and the stuff you have to see. Uh, That's a great way of putting it. I was in for a rude awakening. Coming out of the academy, I thought I knew everything, and I was thrown into... Something I had no no concept. People always say, well, you signed up for that. No, I didn't, because I didn't know it would be that violent. And the amount of violence you see just in the family level 
at least here in the United States, is unspeakable yeah. and unimaginable. And Jay, there's no real difference. Like the violence, violence is violence. It's a human trait. So it's it's the same in Canada as it is in the States. And I'm sure it's the same in every other country, especially at a family level. Violence happens with humans. And so you'll, you'll get that no matter where you go on the globe, no matter what country, no matter what laws you have or culture you have, there will be violence. And uh, unfortunately, in the law enforcement career, you know, we're the ones who have to see what happens you know, we, we see the aftermath of the violence, and sometimes we have it uh, inflicted on us, and sometimes we see it happen in front of us. So it's, it, there's no way you cannot be changed by seeing and experiencing that. Um, and it's, I think it's important for people to remember, especially for your law enforcement uh, and your listeners, to remember that they're not alone. It's not just an American problem. It's a human problem. It's violence that we're seeing everywhere. And I think it's enhanced a lot by the the drug use that we're seeing uh, increase throughout the world really and the the families that are shattered and the families that are apart and the people that are growing up um in heavy heavy drug influenced families and, and lack of families you know so they're growing up in violent households already and we're just seeing it get worse and worse it seems we're the short break we are talking with dan mcgovern dan is I'm an active duty member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And when we return, we're going to talk about things like traumatic stress. We're going to talk more about his career and the differences between American law enforcement and Canadian law enforcement. One of the questions I get all the time is how can I show my support for law enforcement? But there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide. So you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Remember in the beginning? When you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-709-4389-800-709-4389-800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore police sergeant, and I'm joined by Dan McGovern. Dan is an active duty member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and uh, thank you for your service, Dan, and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Jay. I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. And it's a great opportunity to learn more about what happens north of the border. And because I'll be honest with you, I got so wrapped up on what's happening here that I don't always pay attention. 
I, I do remember, and I, I, I wish I could say the the Mounties name. If I, that's disrespectful, I'm sorry. I do know about Nova Scotia and the horrible loss that was occurred that, that your department experienced and also the community. But there was a, an incident at a courthouse in Canada a couple, three years ago where an old, I say old, he was probably cracking on 60 but still an active duty RCMP and he was plain clothes and he wound up shooting and killing the attacker in the courthouse and the way he carried himself I gotta tell you just what little bit I saw I was very impressed with him very impressed yeah I, I think you're referring to the uh, parliament building shooter that's what it was um, yes yeah and that was um, the, um, the suspect who had uh, ties with Terrorism, or, uh, yep. or at least terrorist I- ideologies, and then he shot one of our soldiers outside the uh, uh, the honor guard at the Tomb of the Unknown uh, Soldier. Uh, he shot and killed a soldier there, and then stormed the Parliament Building, uh, made it right inside to the Parliament Building before he was confronted by um, RCMP and uh, security forces there. And one of the uh, retired RCMP uh, members, actually, the Sergeant at Arms in the parliament building was uh, was apparently the one who who ended the threat so yeah. uh, it's a yeah, great way of putting it too know. it's a, it's a great way of putting it because that's what you, the job of law enforcement is is to to neutralize and end the threat another misconception people have shoot to kill we were trained to shoot center mass because it's the easiest to hit which isn't easy to do begin with yeah. when they're moving you're moving and shots are being fired it's, it's not like yeah. shooting at a paper target <laughs> yeah one of the big I, problems one of the big problems we have here in the United States is we have a tremendous first responder, law enforcement officer suicide rate, and a lot of it's being driven by post-traumatic stress disorder. I personally don't like that term. I prefer the term post-traumatic stress injury. Uh, by the way, for people who are struggling with that, want more information, you know someone who's struggling with that, first responder, military veteran, law enforcement, check out helpforourheroes.com. The estimates are, studies have shown that about 30% of first responders of law enforcement are walking around with some degree of, law, of post-traumatic stress disorder. And it can wreak havoc on people's lives and, and be life-threatening. Is it a problem in Canada? It's, it's a huge problem. I, I have uh, friends and colleagues who have committed suicide as well. And um, I have uh, friends and colleagues who are suffering uh, daily with uh, post-traumatic stress injuries uh, and I've definitely felt the brunt of that as well uh, you know wa- kind of like the walking working injured it definitely affects everyone and I think uh, I'm happy with some degree of the response that at least my organization seems to show to it where they they do try to seek it out and try to uh, provide the help and it's talked about more and more and so I think we have to keep keep doing that where we're allowing our our members to talk more and more and we're trying to give the members a little bit of a break after and recognize the injury and get better at recognizing the injury because it's a serious issue and it's probably a serious issue for law enforcement across the globe i would think so when you're constantly exposed to non-stop violence and trauma even like you said earlier in the conversation even not directed at you you change something changes and not to get overly clinical People have two conceptions in their mind of post-traumatic stress disorder, thanks to Hollywood. One would be Rambo, the guy living in the woods, can't get along with anybody. And the other one is the drunken bum who does his best to try to keep his job. 
and, yeah. and can't get along yeah. with anybody. And that's not the truth. The, the, the yeah, 95% yeah. of people are in the middle somewhere, but they're struggling and their whole families are impacted. It's the person who um, who comes home after after that long shift, who comes home and he can't quite, or he, she can't quite relate to her kids that day, or is snappy at their spouse and their marriage starts to dissolve because their mind is frequenting or they're hypervigilant um, because of the violence they've been exposed to. It's the the walking wounded that they don't really necessarily know that they're injured and that it's affecting them as much as they realize. And I, I, I know from experience that I've had after several incidents, uh, fatalities, near-death experiences, that sort of thing, I've, I've had trouble with, with sleeping afterwards and then that can affect the next day of work and then that can affect your, your on-duty, uh, your shift at work because you're tired and then it affects your your relationship with your kids and your wife, and then if you add any sort of an alcohol or something like that uh, to it to the mix, you're looking at a potential disaster, right? So, it's it's a real threat and it's a real uh, it's a real issue uh, up here as well. And I, I'm glad you're kind of bringing that up for your listeners to always just self check and check your coworkers and um, and be kind and listen to your coworkers. I guess that's the the biggest lesson to learn. One of the biggest things I've had to do and i've been trying to encourage people to do still because i'm retired is have very direct conversations like dude how are you doing because you're not acting like yourself and there was a time where i had a problem and this is what i did and this is what didn't work for me and this is what created more of a problem because back when i was policing it was suck it up buttercup go have a six pack of beer and then report the duty the next day yeah absolutely and that's you know that's not an effective way of dealing with uh, with injuries you wouldn't do that when somebody's physically injured um, expect them to finish their reports that night and get uh, get back to work next day and go out for beers that night with the guys I mean sometimes sometimes going out for beers is exactly what you need I totally agree yeah. um, but sometimes just a quiet you know just reflection and a little bit of a step back and a break and and having a supportive spouse is everything I find it's it's grounded me and it's having somebody who understands law enforcement uh in my life like that and supporting me from the sidelines is everything to me and i think it's what kind of keeps me from continuing to uh be injured well it sounds to me like you are pretty on the ball when it comes to taking care of your, your mental health in regards to that is there anything you would suggest people do that you do that seems to be helpful um you know and that's a that's a really good question i i certainly don't uh, from experience anyway I would say to not be afraid to uh, not be afraid to have to be injured like not to be afraid to admit it and uh, you know maybe not at uh, maybe not at work but uh, I haven't had a problem of you know very early on in my relationship with my wife I've I've made sure that I'm open and honest and if that means coming coming home and actually actually crying because I saw a, uh, a baby get murdered by its parents that day um, and actually breaking down and saying I'm not okay. I'm going going to work and and telling the boss that I, I can't actually do my job that day effectively, and I need a break. Taking a step away, realizing uh, and recognizing the injury and letting it heal. Um, I think that's really important. Is the main thing, and that's what everybody kind of kind of hears over and over again. Is just to try to listen, to uh, open up and look within yourself and recognize the injury. And seek those people who are supports. That's yeah, like, and stay away around from, the people who are supportive. Yeah, stay away from the, the suck it up buttercup people because they, they really don't uh, either either they are sticking out their chest, so to speak, 
to hide their own problems or they have no concept of what's going on and neither one will be helpful. There's yeah. so much we were going to talk about, about similarities and difference with Canada, especially the current climate. We're going to have to revisit this in the future. Hopefully, you will be able to be a guest on the show. Uh, I would like you to open this up, uh, an open invitation to you, your coworkers, other members of RCMP or other d- departments that they want to come on the show. There's very much uh, an open door policy. Just reach out and contact me. Absolutely. I, I oh, totally all spread it around, and uh, I'd love to have the opportunity again um, down the line. And I guess um, I'll just say one thing for all the uh, all your listeners as well. You know, just wanted to say thank you to the people who still support law enforcement and support their local law enforcement and the people that come up and say thank you. Uh, continue to do that because you never know uh, how much it affects the, the officer that you're thanking and how much uh, they're able to carry on in their day, especially given the climate. And to all the uh, brothers and sisters in law enforcement down south, you're in our thoughts up here as well and in our prayers, and we feel if we share your pain and just hold your heads up and stay safe. Damn it, Governor. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. All right. You take care, Jay. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. Let's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.